guys. Uh, welcome to Cosmic Corner podcast. This week is an amazing episode. Um, just talking about the mother wound, how it shows up for us in our lives, and um, how we really um, aren't in a society that honors that healing or really like stepping into our womanhood. Um, I think in some countries, actually, they have, when you you turn 29 to 30, they actually have a ceremony uh, because it's like an initiation into womanhood. And we we don't have that in the Western world. Um, so I just thought it was, yeah, it was fascinating. Um, and it's just given me so much to think about as well um, for my own healing, which is what this podcast is all about. Um, so I hope that you enjoy it. And um I'm speaking to the lady that I actually am speaking to now, who's who talks about the mother wound, is Hila Rodriguez, which I'm praying that I've said that properly, um, who lives in the amazing Rio de Janeiro, which I was so jealous about. <laughs> um, one of those countries I've never been, so I'm hoping one day I get to go. Um, but yeah, it was, um, and she works with women um, with uh, around the the mother wound. Um, and really works as a healer in that space that kind of um the sacral uh the sacral really that is like the center point i think of this this uh this podcast so i hope that you enjoy and um yeah so tell me more about the work that you do all right so the work that i do it's pretty interesting to (laughs) explain because it's quite different i put together a couple of modalities I use human design, mother wound healing, and shadow integration. And uh, the reason why I use mother wound healing is because we were never initiated into womanhood. So we still have this enmeshment between us and our mothers. Mm -hmm. And if I were to explain just a little bit about why mother wound healing is so important for the woman that is out here creating the career of her dreams and creating her fulfillment and her freedom. It's because the mother wound is not about blaming. It's not about fault. It's actually about the patriarchy and how women, especially, you know, down our ancestry line Mm. has been made to believe that it is not safe for them to be emotional They were never given a safe space to process what happens within them, their emotional or energetic experiences. They were never given a safe space to express their desires. And a lot of, you know, most of the women, my mother and and back then, I think I'm the first one in the lineage Mm -hmm. to actually even stand in my power and own a desire. Um, but with them, it's just like, you know, the suppression of the sacral. So the sacral is the womb and that's where our creativity comes from. That's where our desires come from. And a lot of women nowadays are playing into their desires, but they still have the mother wound. And, uh, you know, it's, it's that identity of the little girl that still expects something from the mother. So she's, she's still modifying herself to fit into something that the mother would still acknowledge. So there hasn't been a complete liberation into sovereignty for women. And so a lot of the women are playing into their desires and their dreams, but they're, they feel 
this strange undercurrent of like overwhelm and pressure and, you know, they've made it, but sometimes they're still feeling a lack of fulfillment and they don't know why it's because the expectation from mother to daughter and daughter to mother has not only not been met, but it also hasn't been grieved. It hasn't been let go of. So subconsciously we're still playing into those expectations that will actually never be met. Oh my God, that was just everything. I was like, fuck, that's, (laughs) (laughs) oh my God. It was reminding me of this book, Women Who Run With Wolves. Mm-hmm. And, then, and and um only just like a little bit that I've read but like the idea that and it is that kind of us not stepping in and and it is I'm, I'm definitely maybe one of the first women in my family to step into my power but I still have a lot of shadow stuff and a lot of old um well, I guess what you said as well about the patriarchy a lot of that like expectation on myself um you know, as a woman in her early 30s, that I should be somewhere else doing something else. Um, and that I'm not living to like the patriarchal um, viewpoint in a way. It's really, and it, and then it, and it also comes through from my mother sometimes, but it's, it's really interesting how um, it just gets passed down. It's like a generational trauma, I guess, in a way. It is. Yeah. And even if we play into our dreams, breaking away from the nine to five, breaking away from the construct that we need to be married and have children by a specific age and have the house and the car and like all the things, Mm. even if we break away from that, it's still in our bodies. Yeah, We can't process something that we don't look at. Yeah. That's us. And and how do you like help women do that to like heal their mother wound um, and look at that stuff that is not processed? Yeah. So I actually have a program called the process and we begin with the mother wound to create space. Cause up until now we are building upon the foundation of the mother wound. The mother wound is the core wound from which all other wounds and shadows are formed. Mm. And so we're building our dreams upon like, it's almost like you know, when someone has like extreme bad luck and they're like, oh my God, Mm. did they like build that house on an ancient burial ground? (laughs) It's kind of like what we're doing. (laughs) It's something that we haven't grieved. We haven't respected. Like this is something to respect. It's a, it's our human process. And so what we do is the first week we start exploring all of our mother's narratives, Mm. her beliefs, how she related to her body, how she related to money, how she related to other women, how she related to the societal constructs and all of that, all of her beliefs. Was she emotionally available? Mm. Did she respect herself? What were her beliefs around boundaries? And then we, ex- we start exploring our relationship with life because on the mother wound healing journey, it's said that our relationship with life is based on our relationship with mother because our mother was life for us. Mm. She was life. She provided us with life. And so for a child, if a, mo- if a mother becomes emotionally unavailable or she presents some sort of emotion like anger 
or stress, the child will automatically believe that they did something wrong. So they will automatically try to modify themselves to be on her good side because she represents safety. So imagine how many times as a child we've done that. Mm. How many shadows did we create in those moments of development? And then you carry those through as well. Like I definitely have behaviors of like hypervigilance where like it's totally maladapted to my life now, but like it's so ingrained um, that it just shows up. It can show up really quickly, but I I have more awareness around it. But it's amazing how these things can just... um, uh, just because they are behaviors that worked and helped us survive obviously a certain type of household um and then they just it's so hard to sort of shake them as you grow older like and they play out in different ways as well exactly and so imagine like you're creating your dream life but Mm -hmm. with this undercurrent of narratives that first of all aren't yours Mm -hmm. and they don't serve you and they make it hard So when people are talking about, um, especially in the coaching industry, when they're talking about, you know, just create from being, you know, create from ease. Mm. Well, that's great for someone who is on the side of the spectrum where they had very little mother or father wound and little trauma, little shadow. Mm. But now most people have more trauma. Because most humans before our generation didn't really know how to process. That wasn't even a thing, you know, and it was even meditation. It was meditate not to think Mm. only up until now. Are we learning that meditation is not to stop thinking? It's to learn how to stretch your capacity to hold what's within you. Mm. So this is all, it sounds ancient, but it's all new. It's all yeah, but it's amazing because like no, my gen, like the people, my parents did not do that. It was, there was no generational, exactly what you said, like trauma which was just not a word then I feel like it just wasn't something that was used in day-to-day language. Like it might be used maybe talking about soldiers or something like that, but it would never be used as like, um, you know, oh, I had some childhood trauma. There was no recognition of that. So it just kind of deepens across the lineage really and especially I feel like maybe for men it shows up differently but it's for women the line if you look back it's amazing to be like wow I can kind of see what stuff isn't mine but I'm still holding it yeah Mm. yeah for sure and it's even um it's very different for men and women but I Mm. I do I do not work with men but I can only imagine because for men forget emotions are Mm non-existential we're non-existential for men back then now it's becoming a thing you know for men to feel their emotions and to tap into their femininity is praised nowadays but back then it was totally incorrect oh yeah toxic masculinity all of that yeah yeah and like you said you know speaking about trauma back then as well was very taboo and talking about the mother wound is, is still very taboo because the moment you say something about your mother, if there's an aunt next to you, she'll say something like, oh no, what are you talking about? Your mother took such good care of you. Mm. She fed you, she clothed you. Mm. It's that whole like you survived, so you're good. But now we're not trying to survive anymore. But even though we're still playing into the survival narrative from the mother wound, 
now we've evolved into this desire to thrive and live a fulfilling life, which was something that was non-existent back then. And I also get in a way, like having your own children. I mean, for me, uh, I don't want to, I'm sure I'm not going to be the perfect parent. That's, I don't mean that at all, but like part, stopping with me, some of the dysfunction, if that makes sense. So I don't, Absolutely. I don't pass it down in another, you know, three generations. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's so important. So that's the thing too. I remember when I was, you know, a teenager and my mother would do things that went against what I believed a mother should do. Mm. And I would always tell her, you know, I'm not going to be like you. I'm not going to be like you. And I totally thought that that was enough. But after a while, I started noticing patterns that reflected mm. her. And that scared me intensely. And so I went down my own journey, but you're right. Every single human being on this planet has a mother wound because there is no such thing as a perfect human being, Mm. you know, but if the woman moves through her own mother wound healing journey, she will know how to navigate motherhood in a way where the mother wound won't affect her children Mm. to the extreme that we've felt it. Yeah. 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 And, and how does that mother wound show up for with the women that you've worked with? How does it like manifest in their life? Mm, so it's really interesting. Most of the women that come to me, it's because they feel specific feelings. And those for me are the red flags of the mother wound. And it's usually pressure, overwhelm, a lot of comparison, a lot of self-judgment. They have this inner critic within them that's always in the background and a difficulty in expressing. Mm -hmm. So maybe they think that they're too much or that they're not enough. There's this narrative that there's something wrong with me. I don't know what, but there's something wrong with me. And then it manifests into pressure to do more, more, more. Mm -hmm. That's the narrative that you're not enough. And what does that look like when we're children? We're doing to gain our parents' approval and it's never enough. The grades aren't good enough. Mm -hmm. You didn't clean the house well enough you, you just, you can't get their attention. Mm. You know, it's like, there just nothing that you do. You're the right child. You're not the best child. You're not the, you know, the star child. And that's what you want to be. You want that approval from your parent, but the approval that we're actually searching for as children, isn't really through the words mm. or the hug. It's actually energetic and emotional presence. God, that's so And connection. Yeah. Yeah. And it's being seen, I think, by your parents. Yeah. But it's really, it's a different level of being seen because children communicate energetically. God, that's fascinating. I've just never thought of it like that. And it is that kind of, um, I guess, feeling as well, because I suppose children, you pick up on so much more like energetically um, and like as an, as an atmosphere. So I guess there's almost things that are like unsaid, but you've mm-hmm. immediately picked up, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Like, have you ever seen a child cry and they're like crying and it gets really intense and the mother starts panicking. Mm. And the first thing she asks the child is what's wrong mm. as if she needs to tangibly see what's wrong. Mm. Right. So then the mother's energy heightens, the child's energy heightens, and then it turns into like this chaotic feeling of desperation. Well, that's very common because again, the motherhood wound 
suppresses the woman's capacity to hold her internal landscape Mm. or to create and cultivate a relationship with her internal landscape. So because she doesn't have the capacity to hold herself, because she was never taught how to create a safe space for herself Mm -hmm. and how to process, she can't hold anyone else's. So when the child is energetically picking up on things that she can't see or control, it turns into, it just enhances whatever internal chaos she's feeling within her. And then the child can't process that neither. So now the child's picking up on something else plus the mother stuff. Mm. And the mother is making that look like a bad thing. Like I see parents punish their children so often for feeling emotions. Yeah. They'll cry and then they get punished. Yeah, That's the mother and the father wound. That's just such awful messaging as well. If you think about it, like how detrimental that is. Um, kind of great if you grow up in that you know that kind of um environment it must follow you it follows you through like I can I can think of certain uh, you know instances in maybe my teenage years maybe I don't remember I'm sure there were times when I was when I was a child but I would I struggled with depression and I remember kind of really crying and my mum just being so exasperated and being like what's the matter like wanting something that's like a pinpoint like something that was a tangible thing but I couldn't give that answer to her. And then I, and I really just turned to substances because it, it just alleviated being able to cope with the sort of depth and weight of my own sadness in a way, if that makes sense. Not saying that my mum, but it was my way of like, go, I felt like that was the only way that I could express how I felt, if that, if that makes sense. But I wasn't actually expressing it. I was just, uh, you know, numbing it with, with anything I could find externally. Um, Yeah. Yeah. My, my journey was a little similar, but it, mm -hmm. but different. My mother suppressed my expression. Mm. And so the only way to express myself was through substances. So I lost myself. It was like, Mm. I went from being a very expressed and lively child to going through a period where I became very, very quiet and alone. Mm. And then after leaving home, I turned to substances and through that, I actually met myself. So I know that a lot of people express substances as something really, really bad. And yes, it was used very inappropriately, just to be super honest. No, no, no. But I, I, in a way, I totally agree with you. Like I met myself in that place almost like time. Mm. I mean, it was the self, obviously there's an element of self and then the destruction, but like, actually it is in that. I think um, I read a quote today, I think it was Pima Chodron about how we bring ourselves to that point of indestruction again and again, or annihilation. And actually you actually meet yourself. I'm not saying that's the way to go. I'm just Mm -hmm. saying that Mm -hmm. it had to be, it was almost paved out for me. So I understand exactly what you you mean by that. Um, Yeah. It was almost a roadmap. Yeah. Yeah. I think I met, I think I, I encountered two points on that spectrum it was kind of like, first of all, substances just enhance what's within you, right? So um, it enhanced two sides of me. It enhanced my personality, like my lively personality. Mm. And that made me curious about, well, if that's coming out when I do this, then that means that's within me. So how do I bring that out when I'm not doing that? Exactly. Yeah. 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 
it's like and then also of, of that like almost like that wild untamed part that yes but it's like doing it it's learning how to do that in a really kind of healthy way but exactly. not, I'm not saying healthy in the sense of like eating a salad I mean like you know like real like actually being able to cultivate that inner landscape that that is like the work definitely um yeah yeah exactly and yeah it's it's a lot because you know there's there's all these different layers of unsafety mm. that our parents you know programmed into us and it's when we say even programmed I just want to even go a little deeper with that mm. it's our nervous system like they have programmed our nervous system and there is no reading a book and integrating that way of being by reading a book. Mm. It also, of course, depends on like what part of the spectrum you're on. If you have very little, again, wounding, trauma, shadows, then yeah, it's probably going to be easy. But most of us are not on that side of the spectrum. We're either in the middle or like toward more towards trauma and shadow. And so we need to work with our nervous system to teach it that it's safe, no longer following that narrative. Mm. It's safe in a space of neutrality so that it then can receive and integrate a new program into, into our bodies, into our system. And how do you like do the, the, the nervous system? Like, is it, is it through like breath work? Um, so I have this process where we, again, we explore the patterns of the mother and the narratives that, you know, she played into, and then we explore the expectations. What did she expect from the child? Because that's where the lack of safety comes from. And then we move into a space of neutrality where we no longer act on it. So if your thing was, I'm not like nothing that I do is enough. So you're a doer, mm. you keep doing, you keep giving, you keep doing, you keep giving your space of neutrality is to stop. Mm. And that will make you feel unsafe in your body. You will feel that in your nervous system. And so while you're in that space of neutrality, we use things like meditation or tapping. We also move through a process of creating a new inner mother because the inner critic within you is simply your inner mother. It's, it's a replica of your mother. So as we grieve the mother wound, we create a new inner mother. So I do have my women practice speaking to themselves out loud at first mm. because it's a really, it's a really big intense transition to have this inner critic or this inner mother that has suppressed you for so long. You know, most of my women are in their thirties already. So mm. it's 30 years of suppression, 30 years of criticizing judgment, comparison inside of them with that voice. And now they're transitioning. So I have them say it out loud so that they can feel the emotion and using the tapping, the tapping helps nurture the nervous system and the meditations assist as well. And just really being mindful. And of course, um, we talk on a daily basis because I offer Voxer support because I know that that's intense. And it's actually in those little moments where they're about to play into something mm. that if they just choose to respond differently, they are rewiring themselves. And so it's in those moments that they usually message me. And it's really interesting because they message me to seek an answer or support, but as they're speaking, they're processing and they find their own answer and they're able to, to give themselves what they need just by expressing, but this is new to them. 
because the expression was also, you know, very suppressed. These weren't things that they were saying out loud before. And now they're saying these things out loud and they're hearing them say these things out loud and they're having these realizations and it becomes like a somatic experience. It's like a, a realization that's being fed to your cells. If that makes sense, no, yeah, it's like, like a it feeling comes out of yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, and also just uh, um, that that thing what you were saying about the thing that you do, and then you get to a place of neutrality, and that being that's like kind of where the the burn is, like the pain. Because I know for me, um, if I stop doing certain things, because I know that I'm doing them for, I don't know, maybe to make myself feel safe or I'm playing into a particular story or a pattern, I can feel so intensely uncomfortable. And, and in that sort of feeling really uncomfortable, like my mood, can, I can become really irritable and like discontent. And I really, I'm like itching out of my skin wanting to do that thing. But it's almost like sitting in that place and then pushing through is like where the kind of real growth is. It's like one step further to like knowing yourself just like an, a deeper level almost like the next level down um but it can feel really it can feel like I think someone said to me doing this work like just any work that involves like self um I don't want to say development healing um is is um you have to get really comfortable with just feeling uncomfortable like most of the time oh, absolutely yeah. <laughs> until it For gets me, to the point where you kind of are like Woof, oh there's like a breakthrough point you know oh but, God, it, yeah. but then the next Definitely. cycle comes through you know in, in a really great way but yeah uh sorry I interrupted you just what you were oh gonna- no it's okay um yeah mine was really intense and this is mm. again it's usually the women that we always attract people that mirror us and my my narrative was not enough mm. it was not enoughness so nothing that I did was enough. I never got the praise. I never got the acknowledgement or, you know, the good job. And so, but I needed, I wanted that. I was craving that. That was my expectation for my mother. And so the way that I played into that throughout my life was I was always the best. Mm. I was super competitive in everything I did. So I would, you know, I used to go to CrossFit and I had to be, you know, not to be, not to be playing into pa- the patriarchy right now, but men physically are, you know, stronger than women. Oh yeah. They're yeah. Stronger than yeah, women. yeah. Yeah. They're just like, and yeah. <laughs> it's just like a natural thing, yeah. but like in CrossFit, you know, the bigger guys, like the tougher, bigger, more, you know, uh, guys that just were stronger, I needed to be with them. And I was like this tiny five foot, like 120 pound girl but I did everything to be in like the top with them. And I wanted to be at least, I would always look at like the, the the one guy that I knew was going to get first. And then the second guy. And I was like, okay, I need to be either in between them or behind the second guy. Like it was that competitive. I needed to be in front of all of the women. Um, I felt very competitive with women. I never had, um, it was never easy for me to connect with women because there was automatic competition Mm. and automatic judgment. But then down my path, I started to realize, oh, wait a minute, I'm not judging them, I'm judging myself. Mm. And that transition was difficult, but I was able to make that transition. But in that transition, what happened? I destroyed my coping mechanism, which Mm. my coping mechanism was be competitive, be the best, be competitive, be the best. At my job, it was 
I would actually get my, myself into like horrible situations because I would be so good at what I would do that my bosses wouldn't want anyone else. Mm. But the hours that they were giving me were like non-realistic for a human being to move through. I even remember this one job. I worked as a nanny for 15 years. This is why I'm so into like the, the mother child stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually, I was actually nicknamed Mary Poppins because I (laughs) I would be able to get the children to do the things that when the parents asked, there was just like chaos. But when I would ask, they would skip towards the thing that they would do. Wow. So they wanted to under, yeah, it was like that really interesting. Like, and that, that, that's what I mean though. It's the energy, the energy mm-hmm. thing of maybe they feel like a deep level of being acknowledged, I, I guess. It yeah. It is because you see, if we can meet them where they're at so that they can feel safe, then they connect with you. But most parents don't know how to meet a child where they're at because they don't even know how to meet themselves where they're at. Oh my God. So how does that work? Yeah, that's just so like the cycle of stuff as well, like how it it perpetuates itself. Yeah. Gosh, it's just, it's like, I'm I'm like, wow. (laughs) Um, And so like, why is this work? Like, what do you love the most about what you do? thought for you know working with women um you know through this process well it's really interesting today I was reviewing some applications and I felt so emotional I think it was the first time I felt emotional in that way of understanding what I was doing and reading their applications it reconnected me to the children that I used to care for and what I see in, in these women is the same thing that I saw in myself. It's this child that never developed properly. And because of that lack of possibility to develop property, Mm -hmm. they weren't given a fair chance at life. And so now we have to go back and help that child develop so that they can actually live through their potential and understand what it means to be free, to be them. And, and that was, seeing that is, is very, um, it definitely gives me fulfillment. It, for a long time, I, I didn't understand the importance of this work, even though I kept, you know, when you're just on that road, it's, it's just like that tougher spiritual road where like, Mm -hmm. you're the warrior and like, you know, the universe is not going to let you play small. And it's just like, no, you're not going to do what you want to do. This is your, this is your job. this is your mission yeah Yeah, you can you can try to go there because you think that that's the fun thing to do or the cool thing to do or whatever but like do sometimes and then and it's like nope (laughs) yeah and you're like pulled back by your hair you're like dragging (laughs) and that's always been I never wanted to do this because I was like this is not what calls attention like this is not what everyone's doing this is not Mm. gonna you know get me up there and I it just went through a point where I just like I give up fine, I'll do it. And once I surrendered to that, I started to see the beauty in it. And whereas before I resisted this work so much, it Mm -hmm. now it brings so much fulfillment to my heart because everyone's walking around wounded because of these expectations that they never got met. And they believe that they're not loved because they weren't, their expectations weren't met by their families or their parents or their mother. And it's, 
it's like the sensation of like, oh my God, my mother doesn't love me. And like, Mm. it's, it's this, it's almost like an internal feeling like fear that you're never going to feel fulfillment in life or this sense of loneliness. And you don't know why you feel that. Yeah. It's it's these. Yeah. 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 It's these repetitive Mm. feelings that we feel and we keep chasing external stuff and we just don't understand what, and it comes back to the narrative. What am I doing wrong? What's wrong with me? Mm. There's nothing wrong with anyone. Nobody needs to be healed. We just need to grieve these expectations that we had as children that we never gave up on, that we're still chasing in our careers, in spirituality, and in other relationships. We just need, once we grieve those expectations, we can stand in our sovereignty and in our wholeness. Wow, that sounds, just sounds, and also just, it must just manifest in so many different ways, like, you know, like, um, uh, food, um, sex, money, uh, relationships, whether that's friendships, romantic relationships, like all of this, just this kind of like wound is so, um, I just think, yeah, it can be exactly what you said. It can be so pervasive that without addressing it, it just, it's like a pattern. You just continue to do the same thing and you're kind of, you're short, you're kind of like, oh yeah, that thought's popping into my head again of like, I'm not good enough or I'm not lovable, but you still are running with it. You might even have that awareness. You might have got to that point where I definitely felt in a place where I got to the point where I knew what I was doing was just a pattern and an old behavior from an old story, you know, from trauma, blah, blah, blah. But I continued to do it because it somehow still felt really familiar to me. And there was like a payoff in it, which was, I guess it reconfirmed me in some way that I was unlovable or I wasn't good enough, particularly in the, you know, romantic relationships I I chose or the people I chose to be in relationship with. Um, Gosh, that's just, yeah. I mean, you must see that kind of in your work as well, how that plays out in just how we nourish ourselves with food. Um, And especially for women, we can be like, I must, I've met so many women who are like, I must do this. And I have this to-do list and I have this day. And, and I've been guilty of that, you know, being like, I must do it. And, and being a real, like, I must do, 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 do. And it's really just to like avoid how I'm feeling or, or that narrative that's like running through that's coursing through and becoming more and more like, yeah, like feminist almost. It just gets louder and louder. And it is that inner mother for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, the mother wound is everyone's biggest blind spot and it's what disrupts our ability to manifest. And it also takes away, it robs us of our experiences because again, everything that we do is either chasing a feeling or moving away from a feeling. And we're doing to get, but we're not actually receiving because of all of these mother wound narratives. Receiving is completely different than getting. Mm. It's, it's actually what we desire. It's what creates fulfillment mm. is the art of receiving, but we're not able to do that if we're operating from the mother wound and we can't heal the mother wound if we don't look at it. Yeah. Cause I guess the, and also in a way, the mother wound is like this kind of pervert, like uh, this deep well that has no 
you know so you you're trying to fill with or get these things I'll get this like I'll get this certain number on the scales or in my salary or I'll get the house or I'll get the boyfriend or I'll get the relationship or I'll get the marriage I get the ring you know whatever it is and it actually just it doesn't do anything because it's not you're not receiving it you're just you're like okay next 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 Mm -hmm. and like you live on this kind of hamster wheel of I always think of these the women in like the real housewives of whatever you know whatever city they choose (laughs) and I'm always fascinated because it's like they have this on the outside they have you know what many would dream of in in a way you know uh, materialistically but most of them I mean from just from the show and I know it's entertainment purposes but like they have absolutely no relationship with themselves it's this like they're just in pain constantly but actually externally they're they're you know almost they actually are pretty doing pretty well but if you look at it in terms of their relationship with themselves and you know their obsession with their looks and the stuff like that and the dieting and the the competition and the meanness to each other it's it's um it's just like wow actually it's just this it just reminds me of the kind of getting 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 but never actually receiving you know more just it's just a constant yeah. hamster wheel of like a rat race that you know no one really knows how to get out of yeah it's fascinating yeah it's really insane once you start doing this work you see everything you know you you like just see how the mother wound manifests in everything you start to see all the red flags and the mother wound is the patriarchy disconnecting the woman from her womb because mm. in her womb is are the desires is the creativity the ability to create it's her expression it's the power it's the energy and so when a woman disconnects from that and they can't own it, they start to look around. And there's, there's really nothing, nothing that can substitute your own unique, which is, it's so unique. Everyone's feminine is so unique. There's no way, there's nothing that can substitute that, you know, and we try to, to do in order to, to substitute that. And it's just absolutely impossible because our doing isn't, it's just not at that point, it's not an extension of our expression. We're doing, but it's not us. We're, we're imitating. So when we imitate, when we look around us and we start repeating things that we're seeing, it does not create fulfillment. Fulfillment is being fully expressed. God, that's so true. That's so true on so many levels. It's it's just fascinating how it, you see it now that we're having this conversation. I'm just like, whoa, <laughs> mind blown. Yeah. Um, I know that you said about human design. I just wondered how you use that as well um, in your in your programs. Yeah. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with human design. Are you? Just so I can know. Yes, I am. Sorry, my dog just came in and I had to shut her out the door. Okay. <laughs> I am. I am. I think it's, um, I think I'm a projector. Is that oh, okay? Yeah, I'm a projector. That's yeah. I've just done yeah. like a, a ve- very vaguely, but yes, 
Uh, okay, cool. All right, yeah. So human design is a system that shows you how to live in your body pretty much. It shows you how to work with your energy. So that life becomes easier. That's how I see it, just to simplify mm, okay. it to an extreme, really. Because um, if I were to go into it, it would be a, quite a long conversation. But it is a teaching that teaches you how to work with your energetic systems. And I highly believe that the sacral is one of the most important energetic systems. They are all important, all of them. But the sacral, again, it's the womb. It holds the desires, expression, life force, our physical energy, that high vibe feeling that we feel, the excitement, mm. the creativity, that outpour abundance. I've, I've tried to like, I've, you know, I go into the centers, but I believe that abundance comes from the sacral. Mm-hmm. And so, cause it's like that enhancement of like creativity and energy. And so it doesn't really matter if you have it undefined, which undefined just means that it's not a consistent um, source of power. Defined means it's a consistent source of power. And the only designs that have it defined is the generator and the manifesting generator. And if you are a generator or a manifesting generator, then you are probably a sacral authority or an emotional authority. But even if you're an emotional authority, your sacral is still a part of that process. Wow. Yeah. And so even for a projector, so let's, Mm -hmm. let's just go into a projector that you don't have it defined. Right. Mm -hmm. So even though you don't have that defined, what I would say about that is that you don't have that consistent source of physical energy. So it's really important to connect to your body to notice if you need rest. But here's the thing. If you don't honor your desires, then how will you honor rest? Yeah, that's so true. That is so true. Right. And you can if you don't feel guilty as well for resting. I mean, I Exactly. Yeah. Mm. yeah, we hold shame and guilt in the sacral. And so all of this stuff needs to be worked with. And also Mm -hmm. for a projector, projectors are meant to be invited. But if you're just sitting there like a blank canvas, (laughs) what are they going to know what to invite you to? Mm. Like, what are they going to know? So it's important for you to be playing into your desires. You're not meant to initiate. You're not meant to respond, but you are meant to be invited. But I can only invite you if I see you. Oh, I see. Okay. You see, so yeah. So if you're there and you're doing your thing, like I have a friend who's a projector mm. and he's an amazing graphic design artist. Mm. And so seeing him in his element, like I've invited him so many times to help me with things or to create projects for me. And he has been invited to so many amazing um, projects as well to work with so many amazing people, but he's doing his thing. He's in his element. He's playing into his desires. So if we don't play into our desires, how can we be seen? How can we be invited or attract opportunities to respond to or whatever, you know, your design does, like whatever strategy your design has Mm. for projectors, it's important to be clear on what your, on what your desires are to be connected to your creativity. And now if we have a mother wound that 
judged your expression or your desires, Mm. then how are you going to play into that in the unique and individual way that you are? Because if you're copying someone else and you're imitating what you believe is the right way to do something, you're not actually going to attract invitations that are in the highest alignment of who you truly are of your expression that actually create the fulfillment. Yeah, it's that authenticity, isn't it? But like showing up for you in in your way, not in an imitation almost. Mm -hmm. Wow, that Mm -hmm. is, yeah. I've learned so much. This is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And lastly, if there's one piece of advice that you could impart on the audience, what would it be? (sighs) Your body cultivating the deepest relationship and the clearest line of communication with your body. Okay. That is like, yeah, that's just, yeah. Yeah. If you want, if, if you've ever experienced synchronicity, Mm. just know that that comes from your body, your body leads when that happens. And, and, and through doing that in like meditation, I guess, tapping, like actually being in your body, like listening to your body, almost listening to your body. Yeah. Yeah. Playing into your desires. If you are sitting, you know, on your computer, just two hours in and your body's like resisting, it's resisting. Do not override it. Get up, go do something. You Mm want to go outside, go outside, do what it wants to do, do what it Mm -hmm. wants. It's leading you. If you're trying to control it, you're trying to control it from the level of perception that you're at right now. Mm-hmm. And your body's trying to lead you to something else, to something new. It's oh, trying to lead you to evolve. Yeah. And so if you, once you start to trust that nothing is linear, mm. the way that you believed that you should, which should is the worst word ever, that you should do things is completely incorrect. And the correct way to do it is to follow your body. Your body will always lead you towards magic and it will always create um, synchronistic opportunities for you. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Hyla, for being on the, the podcast. I've learned, I'm literally like, like my head. <laughs> <laughs> it's been amazing having you. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was really lovely to talk to you. As always, guys, if anything resonated with you, please come and visit my website um, and also come and find me on Instagram where you can probably find my website a lot easier and just find out how I work and what I do. Um, And I'll be back next week. Thanks, guys.